0: Hello and welcome to episode number 274 of the Love Life Connection podcast. Thank you so much for being here and I've got a really great show for you today. And I've got some exciting things coming up this fall. Uh, I just want to give you a quick little teaser about so first, I'm co hosting a workshop with a UK based matchmaker. That's going to happen later in September. I'm not going to go too much into it now. But just know that's coming up. And I'm super excited about it. The other thing that I'm doing is I am going to be hosting a podcast tour. So some of you all might recall who maybe are bloggers or read a lot of blogs in the early days of blogging. So like the late 2000s, early 2010s, What bloggers would do is they would host a thing called a blog tour, where blogger A would write a post and they'd be like, okay, we're going to continue the story or continue this theme at this blog. And then the blogger B would write a story and then so forth. And there'd be like, you know, 10, 12 blogs. And then by the end, you got to read a bunch of new bloggers that you might not have heard about all on this one theme or question that everyone is answering. So I'm doing a very similar thing, but with podcasts. So if you're looking for more podcasts like mine, then you are going to be exposed to that really, really soon. So I'm super excited about that. Nothing you need to do for either one of these things right now, just know that they're coming up and make sure you stay tuned to this podcast. Make sure you're on my newsletter because I will have information on how to Sign up for all of that stuff. It's all free. So I hope you will join us. Okay, so on to today's episode. I want to go back to the question that I posed in the title of this episode, which is Are you emotionally available for the relationship that you want? So I find there's a lot of different reactions to this question. And depending on the amount of work that you've done, the amount of time you listen to my podcast, you might know that you have some emotional availability tendencies, but you might also think, wait, I'm not emotionally available, but I'm attracting all these emotionally available people and I want a relationship. So how can I be emotionally unavailable? And the truth is, is that if you're a regular listener of the show, and especially if you decided to press play on this specific episode, you're likely not in the camp of blaming everyone and everything else as being the reasons for your love life woes. That doesn't mean you haven't experienced your fair share of emotionally unavailable partners or frustrations with aloofness, texting pals, or online dating. It just means that if time after time you're attracting emotionally unavailable partners or time after time you attract great potential partners, but they bore you or you push them away or you look for something to be wrong with them, it is worth looking at your own emotional availability. The law of attraction would say like attracts like, which would then conclude that if you become emotionally available, then you'll attract emotionally available. And I have poo-pooed a lot on the law of attraction on this podcast. I'm not going to go too much into it today, but I will just say for right now that this is really only a half truth. And while I'm not going to be the thought police and tell you what I think you should think or what I think you shouldn't think, I do want to mention that this line of thinking is a very slippery slope to victim blaming. I never, ever, ever want you to think that you caused or attracted someone based on a thought, a belief, a feeling that you had, or an action that you took. That is super, super dangerous. And honestly, the world and pop culture and the media and just Unspoken pressure, sometimes spoken pressure that the world puts on you, especially as women, it's enough to beat yourself up about. And I really don't want you to pile anything else onto you. So, wanting a relationship, even deeply yearning for one, is not the same thing as being emotionally available for it. So, I'm going to repeat this because this is really, really important that you get. And honestly, this is something that I did not get when I was dating. And had I gotten that, I probably would have saved a lot of time and heartache. So wanting a relationship, even deeply yearning for one is not the same thing as being emotionally available for it. Okay. So I'm going to speak in gender and heteronormative language just for a moment. Just, just bear with me. So stereotypically, when we're talking about a heterosexual relationship, a man and a woman, Stereotypically, the woman wants a relationship and has all these emotions where the man only wants sex or he's commitment phobic or unable to express his emotions. And any of these three factors or a combination of them will contribute to the frustration that many straight women have around, quote unquote, emotionally unavailable men. What compounds this problem is that we see this dynamic and this story play out over and over and over again in pop culture. And by the way, I'm going to be doing some stuff around this that I think you'll really enjoy, that I think you'll find interesting. I'm not going to say more right now, but you'll know what I mean when I <laughs> when I unveil it to you. Anyways, this is the basic plot point for just about any romantic comedy, a lot of TV shows, a lot of books, Even uh, just the way that relationships are talked about on the news, like the 24-hour cycle news, it's just a trope that we see over and over and over and over again. We also see this in scandals, you know, like with politicians or celebrities you know, who get outed for sex or affairs. And again, it's the same idea where like the woman is, you know, wants the relationship and has all the emotions and the man's like, you know, just can't control his penis. Again, I'm talking in stereotypes right now. I'm not talking in absolute truth. But these stereotypes certainly feeds the belief that this is just how men are. So then when you're in your own relationships and dating and you're frustrated because you also find yourself attracting emotionally unavailable men or emotionally unavailable people, you might think, well, this is just how it is. This is how men are. I've just got to figure it out. I got to figure out how to crack them open. I got to figure out how to pin them down. I got to figure out how I can fix them or change them so that they become magically emotionally available. And hey, that is the ending of basically all rom-coms. So it's not so far out that even if you consciously aren't thinking that unconsciously, that certainly might be a powerful, uh, just a powerful thing that's playing out. Anyways, here's the thing. And here's why I'm telling you this being emotionally unavailable isn't reserved only for straight males in the form of their aloofness or their sex drive or their commitment phobia. Anyone can be emotionally unavailable and it can exhibit in ways you might not recognize as emotional unavailability, at least not at first. And it's hard to recognize because it's not the plot point of most movies or something that people talk about in pop culture. Again, we're very familiar with how emotional unavailability might look stereotypically with straight males, but there are lots of ways that women, again, kind of stereotypically, but also not be emotionally unavailable, but we don't pick up on it as emotional unavailability because that's just not the cultural association. So the truth is, is that if you're attracting emotionally unavailable people over and over again, it's not some law of attraction vibration thing. Like, come on. You know, I find that my clients who are attracting emotionally unavailable people over and over again, one of four things are happening. One, you're emotionally unavailable. And so someone else's emotional availableness Is safe. It doesn't go too deep. So you're able to have some sort of relationship on the level you're able to, but you'll usually end up feeling disappointed because you do want to go deeper. You're just not really sure how to get there. And it's scary. And by the way, this was like 80% of my love life in a nutshell, at least before I met Stevie. The second thing that might be happening is you actually are attracting emotionally available people, but it feels scary. They're so available, not just in terms of their times, but in terms of their emotions. And you don't feel like you can trust it. You're like, what's their intention? What, what are they in it for? So you're unsure. You can't connect with them in that way. Is it fear? Is it intuition? So you keep them in arm's length. It just feels too much, too, I don't know what's going on here. And you push them away. This was about 20% of my love life before I met Stevie. The third thing that can happen, and this is super common among my clients, is that you can meet someone who seems amazing, almost too good to be true. They tell you deep things. Perhaps they even say things like, I've never felt like this before. I've never told anyone this before. The sex is probably really, 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 really good. And then almost as good as it was, they either become toxic or extremely distant, but then you get those good moments and they tell you that they're working on it. Then it turns toxic again. And then here you are on this roller coaster going up and down, up and down, up and down until you can get out. And this feels extra confusing because it feels like love. And it feels like you have this deep connection and that he really is just working on his stuff, which you support him on. But what this relationship really is, is it's you two playing out your wounds. You're playing out your core wounds. It's not love. It's just you filling each other's voids, And that's why it feels really, really good. And it's easy to mistake it for love. So this is super common among my clients who have some emotional unavailability tendencies. And finally, the fourth thing that might be happening for you if you have some emotional unavailability tendencies is you're just sitting out of dating and relationships altogether. You might go on the apps or you might meet people and no one is interesting and no one is good enough for you. Obviously, I never, ever want you to lower your standards or settle, but this is coming more from a place of judgment rather than you actually lowering standards. So you reject them before they can possibly reject you and it keeps you safe. So you might have experienced all of these, one of these, a couple of these scenarios. And I say this a lot in the show, I just want to remind you here. You know, if you experience one thing, one time, obviously that sucks and it can be frustrating. It can be heartbreaking depending on what it is, but you know, anomalies happen, life happens, shit happens. I'm really interested in if the same thing is happening to you over and over and over again. So if one of these four scenarios is happening to you a lot or over and over and over again, then I really do think that it's worth looking at your own emotional availability Being emotionally unavailable isn't something you are or are not. I want you to think of it more as a spectrum. Generally, your emotional availability will grow the more inner work you do, and it will continue to fluctuate day to day or week to week, month to month, based on how you're feeling and what's going on in your life. It's totally normal to feel more shut down sometimes when you need to process or when you need to rejuvenate. You're really not meant to be open 100% of the time. And sometimes I'm going through my own stuff and I'm like, you know what, Stevie, I am not emotionally available for you right now. So it's a spectrum and it's fluid. Yes, generally you want to veer more on the side of emotional availability if you want to attract and have healthy relationships, but it's also important to know when you need to shut down and shut out others and be with yourself. And honestly, I don't even know if it's really fair to call that emotional unavailability because what you're really doing is reserving your emotional depth for you. Anyways, for the rest of this episode, I'm going to walk you through an emotional availability assessment that I've created, and you can actually download this as well. And I highly encourage you to download it because I'm going to move through this assessment pretty quickly. But when you download it, you can read through it, you can think through it, and then you can score yourself more thoughtfully, and then you can get a better picture of where you are on the emotional availability scale. And you can download that at veronicagrant.com forward slash assessment. So whether you want to pause me, download it, and then listen to the rest of the episode so I can walk you through it. It, or you might want to listen to it all and then download it and go through it on your own. Either way, totally fine. But I do recommend downloading the assessment so that you can really dive into this, especially if one of those four scenarios that I shared with you uh, just a few moments ago resonated with you. Okay, so I'm going to walk you through 10 criteria that you can score yourself on from zero to 10, and then at the end, you will add up all the scores and then you will get your emotional availability score. So, this assessment is about you seeing how you might also be emotionally unavailable. And it can help answer why you're attracting emotionally unavailable people or why the nice potential partners bore you or why it's more of like a friend vibe. So, again, if you want to download this assessment and follow along, I highly encourage you to do so. VeronicaGrant.com forward slash assessment. Or if you are out and about, if you're on your way to work, if you're walking the dog, washing the dishes, make sure you download the assessment and you can listen to it now just so you have an idea of where it's going. And then you can spend a little bit more time with it after you're able to download it and read through it. Now, the way to rank yourself is the way I formulated these statements is 10 will be the statement is 100% true and zero is the statement is 0% true. Okay. So 10 is it resonates most. It's totally true. Zero is doesn't resonate at all. Not true at all. Once you rank yourself for the 10 criteria, you'll add up your score and that will be your emotional availability score. And then both in the assessment and in this episode, I will guide you through, you know, just some things to think about, depending on what your score results are with some next steps. Uh, One final thing to note before I get into the 10 criteria is that this assessment requires radical honesty. There is a huge difference between how we perceive ourselves or what our desired behavior is versus what's really true. So if you're not sure, I recommend going over this assessment with a trusted friend for more accurate results, or if you're a client, we can go through this together. All right, let's go. First criteria is, you have a set of values and desired feelings that you use to discern if someone is a good fit for you, rather than nitpick or judge the other person to keep them at an arm's length. I'll also include here if you look for reasons why someone isn't right for you, or looking for a way to prove yourself right. All of that kind of stuff is included here. So 10 is you 100% use values, desired feelings, and intuition to discern if someone is right or wrong for you. And zero would be you don't do this at all and you judge. Again, most of you all will be somewhere in the middle. So just go with the first number that comes to your mind. Be honest with yourself and try not to overthink it. All right, next criteria. You show up as yourself and they can take it or leave it even if it means being rejected or judged. So 10 is you 100% do this, zero is you 0% do this. Third criteria, you feel hurt if someone rejects or ghosts you, but it doesn't affect your worthiness. In other words, you don't spiral into not enoughness after rejection. Okay, so these last two criteria are really about rejection-proofing yourself versus rejection resilience. The point of this work And all the work that I do with my clients and my courses and podcasting, everything is to not rejection proof yourself. There is no way to avoid rejection unless you decide to be celibate forever. Rejection is part of the equation. It's part of what you're signing up to potentially happen if you are dating and looking for love. The question is, do you avoid rejection at a price of not emotionally connecting with someone, or does getting rejected swirl up all of these stories about yourself and about how you're not deserving of love or that it's not possible for you? So keep that in mind as you rate yourself for these last two criteria. All right, the fourth criteria is you see what's in front of you rather than fall in love with their potential or hear what you want to hear. So an example is you cling to them telling you that they've never met anyone like you before but you kind of ignore conveniently when they tell you that they're not looking for anything serious or they're not ready to be in a relationship. 10 is you 100% see what's in front of you. Zero is you 100% fall in love with their potential. Okay. Again, most of you will be somewhere in the middle. For me, I loved that potential. So be honest with yourself. And to be honest, I would have had a hard time admitting this when I was dating, but if I'm being honest, my score would have had to been like, gosh, like a two or three. I mean, I just loved people's potential, uh, and clung on to some of the things they said, but then would also ignore, you know, the part about them not looking for anything serious. Anyways, fifth criteria is you feel safe and connected with the person to share something vulnerable, even if it means they could judge or reject you. So 10, as you do this really well, zero is you don't share anything at all. Number six, You text or call back when you're available to do so without second thought to the game or seeming too available. So 10 is you 100% do this, zero is you do not do this at all. Number seven, you trust you're exactly where you're supposed to be as opposed to needing constant reassurance from them, controlling everything or being attached to being in a relationship by a certain time or age. So this is a big one in my community and something I see among my clients quite often. So again, number seven, you trust you're exactly where you're supposed to be as opposed to needing constant reassurance from them, controlling everything or being attached to being in a relationship by a certain time or age. So this is really a question about how controlling versus trusting you are not like in other people, but like, and where you are the process, that kind of stuff. So 10 is you trust you're exactly where you're supposed to be. And zero is you don't trust at all. And you are controlling everything. All right, number eight, if someone is behaving poorly, you take appropriate action like block, report, break up with them, set a boundary, and then let it go rather than try to police their behavior or take on their poor behavior as a reflection of something you should change within you. So again, 10 will be if someone is behaving poorly, you take appropriate action and then you move on with your life. You don't think about it. You don't waste a lot of time or energy. Zero is you get really caught up in the drama and trying to change or police their behavior, or you take on their behavior. This one is so hard. If your confidence or worthiness has recently been through the ringer, a crude or a rude comment can really throw you off, especially in online dating. I also find that a lot of women allow too much of their emotional and energetic space to be taken up by people who just don't deserve it. This can look like obsessing about their behavior, telling your friends about their behavior, stewing on it, trying to correct their behavior. And the truth is is that you've got to let that go. Of course, take any appropriate action, report the person, block the person, involve police if needed, but then you've got to move on. It's not your job to tell them that they are wrong. It's not your job to try to correct them or fix them or anything like that. Anyways, if you move on easily and swiftly, that's 10, zero, as you get completely hung up on their poor behavior. Score yourself appropriately. All right, number nine, you ask for what you want, need, or require, even if it could mean the end of a relationship. You're also not concerned if asking for what you need or want makes the other person think you're being needy, selfish, or a bitch. So, this can include asking for the commitment, meaning making it official. It can mean wanting to know how the other person feels. Uh, seeing the other person again, getting another date on the calendar, moving off the texting to phone calls or in-person meetups, whatever it is. So if you hold back at all on this out of fear of rejection or coming across as too needy or whatever, your score will be lower. And finally, the 10th criteria is when your boundaries aren't respected or acknowledged, you take appropriate action and address it head on rather than act passively, aggressively, Ignore it altogether, or try to convince yourself that it's really fine. So ten is you do this really well. You set boundaries really well. You communicate really well. Take appropriate action if the boundaries aren't respected or acknowledged. And zero is you don't do this at all. So once you've scored yourself on these criteria, you're going to add up your score and get something between zero and one hundred. And I've categorized this into four scoring categories. So if you scored between zero and thirty you're in what I call the awareness building stage. If you score between 30 and 70, you're in what I call the beginning to integrate stage. If your score is 70 to 90, you're in what I call the ideal stage. And if your score is between 90 and 100, I'm calling that the are we sure stage. So in the assessment, which you can download again, I give a detailed outline of the next steps, depending on what your score is, including some podcast episodes for wherever you are. And I'm going to briefly go into your next steps here. Just know that there's more information in the assessment, which you can get at veronicagrant.com forward slash assessment. So let's start with the awareness building stage, zero to 30. If you're here, the first thing I want to say is congratulations. And I don't mean that sarcastically, I'm dead serious because it likely took a lot of courage and self-awareness for you to score yourself less than 30. And that is huge. Many people taking this assessment will score themselves a little bit higher than what they really are. And if you scored between zero and 30, you definitely were not doing that. And I really think that's huge. You cannot grow. You cannot begin to shift things for yourself if you aren't being honest about where you really are. So for most people at this stage, I strongly, strongly recommend a complete dating break at this stage, dating can be just really a distraction from the deep work that I think you should focus on. And it can also be a situation where you're trying to heal stuff, you're trying to do the deep work, but then you keep attracting people who are reopening that wound because you haven't quite healed it yet. And that can just be extra painful, extra frustrating. And it can really just make this whole process take a lot longer than it really needs to be. You're also gonna be very susceptible at this stage to attracting people who play out a core wound. So it can feel like love when someone love bombs you, for example, but really it's just two people playing out their core wounds and it'll likely lead to a toxic or unhealthy situationship. So your work right now is to figure out why you do what you would do, why you attract what you attract, and specifically what your come from is. From where are you attracting your relationships? No one was born believing they're unworthy of love, no one was born a people pleaser no one was born a saboteur. Nobody was born anything. You you are just a little baby divine being when you are born. And at some point when you were a child, you learned certain behaviors will help you feel loved, safe, or like you belong. So for example, perhaps you had to walk on eggshells when you were younger to try to prevent a parent from lashing out. There is no shame in that. You did what you needed to do at the time. And now as an adult, that pattern is just no longer working. It's no longer serving you to withhold how you feel or speak up for yourself in relationships. This leaves you constantly disappointed and in emotionally unavailable relationships when you play out that old pattern and you can only change this pattern from the inside out. So I strongly recommend you stick to the deep work right now. You cannot will yourself out of this. You cannot think your way through this. Okay. The next stage is 30 to 60. And again, I call this the beginning to integrate stage. You're moving up the emotional availability scale, but at this stage, you're still likely not loving who and what you're attracting. In some ways, this is the hardest stage to be at because you've likely done some healing and you likely have some awareness of your patterns and probably even know, at least to some extent, where they come from. But you're still not quite where you want to be. So the key to getting past the stage is to stay on your game. And I don't mean the dating game. I mean, doing the inner work, the deep work, because you're doing a good job and the human brain is wired to retreat, wired to stay on autopilot and wired to avoid rejection at all costs. So you know you don't want to fall into the old habits. You know what the new habits are that you want to do. But those old habits sometimes are just so comfortable. You just know exactly what to do. You know, it's just like you can taste it. (laughs) It's very tempting, especially when shit starts hitting the fan. At this point, you likely will still get triggered, tripped up, or attract an old pattern. But you'll recognize it sooner and you'll be able to redirect course. And this is where you're really going to have to do a lot of self-talk. And also, this is a really great time to work with a coach who can help you stick with the new patterns, right? Stick with the new actions. So this stage is really about naming and understanding why you're doing what you're doing. So you can separate yourself from it and then apply the tools and actions you've learned so that your patterns and realities will change. This is why I call this stage, the coaching sweet spot. You know, and this is a learning curve and it will take time this stage is a constant dance of finding the right balance. Sometimes the appropriate thing to do is taking a break from dating and refocusing on the inner work and healing some of the wounds. And sometimes the appropriate thing to do is get out of what can be an endless cycle of deep and inner work and actually do the damn thing, like actually get out and date because you might surprise yourself. And if you do get triggered in some way, you'll get just good data. You'll get good feedback as to what you need to focus on. The next stage is 70 to 90 points, and this is what I call the ideal. At this stage, you still might get tripped up every now and again, and that's okay. The goal isn't to never be triggered again. The goal is to be able to feel whatever comes up, work through it without it affecting your self-worth or negative self-talk or stories you tell yourself, and then move on. And just to remind you, this work is also about not getting rejected or disappointed again. I have a funny posts, or at least what I think to be funny posts on Instagram. I'll link to it in the show notes so you can read it if you want. But I'm going to read a little bit of it here just so you can kind of get a taste of what I'm talking about. It's called How to Never Get Rejected. If you never want to get rejected, I recommend you avoid online dating as much as possible. Forget about Tinder, the perfect profile, or finding your best angle for photos. I also recommend you avoid texting. In fact, just don't talk to any potential partners. So no texting, no phone calls, and not even talking in person. And definitely never, ever share how you really feel about someone. Being vulnerable is a definite no-no. If you never want to get rejected, dating altogether is certainly out of the question. So you should probably just stay home and play it safe. Learn to knit, become a self-taught gourmet chef, watch Netflix, or better yet, watch Bridgerton so that you can still have some sexual excitement in your life at no risk of rejection to you. Just keep putting your personal life on the back burner and double down on your career because promotions and money is really the whole point of life anyways, right? All right, so you get the point. This is not about rejection proofing yourself. Rather, it's about building rejection resilience so that when you do get rejected because it'll happen, yes, it'll likely hurt, possibly really bad, but it won't be a source of you creating untrue stories like no one will ever love me or I'm not good enough, and it won't take a hit at your worthiness. When you're truly at the 70 to 90 point range, you'll likely have a lot more fruitful experiences in dating. Just like the previous stage, you might get triggered from time to time, you might get rejected from time to time, but you know how to separate yourself from the experience, assess, use the appropriate tools to take actions that will lead to desirable outcomes, and then move on. I want to take a quick pause here to remind you that if you haven't already, you've got to block out an hour on your calendar and check out my workshop, the five-step strategy to banish anxiety and overwhelm in your love life. So you can attract a fulfilling partnership and live a life of purpose. It's completely free. And in the workshop, I break down exactly why you're in the dating pattern you're in, how to take the confidence you feel in the rest of your life and apply it to your dating life and so much more. If you like my style philosophy and how I coach women on the show, this workshop will help you get started in your own deep work. And for those of you who want to understand the why behind what I do on the show, I even dig a bit into the science of love. So you can start to see real change in your own love life. It's really all my best work in one place and you can access it right now. I strongly believe you don't have to spend years in therapy or read every dating self-help book to dramatically transform your love life grab your seat over at veronicagrant.com forward slash workshop. And now back to the show. The final stage is a score from 90 to 100. And I call this the, are we sure stage? While the score in this range is certainly possible because anything's possible. I don't believe we're hundred percent emotionally available all the time, perhaps even at all, because we're still humans and we still have egos and we will always have some degree of protection because of that. If you scored hundred or very close to it, and you're deeply frustrated in your love life and you're not where you want to be, I invite you to get radically honest with yourself. I'm not saying it's not possible, but as a love coach, I've worked with hundreds of women and I invite you to just take another look at your scores and get really honest with yourself. Because remember, the goal isn't to be hundred percent emotionally available. You don't need to be hundred percent emotionally available to attract the relationship you want. So no matter where you are on the scale, I want you to own it. You can't begin to grow and heal if you aren't being honest with where you're at. I've also designed this assessment with a long-term in mind. So I recommend, like I said, downloading this assessment and then, yeah, taking it now, but also take it from time to time. Perhaps take it every season, perhaps take it at the beginning of every quarter. I I don't know, a few times a year. And while your score can fluctuate up and down just depending on what's going on In your life at that specific moment in time, if the overall trend is going up, then that's a really good sign you're on the right track. And also, by the way, you can take this assessment if you're in a relationship, especially if you're unclear if this relationship is right for you or feel like something is wrong or is missing, but aren't sure what this assessment can give words to it. So you can voice it in the relationship and then hopefully get your needs met. So no matter your score, wherever you are on this emotional availability score, the obstacles between you and the relationship you want have nothing to do with your flirting game, your body size, your text, your profile, or any other gimmicky dating quote-unquote trick. You can have your astrology chart read a million times, you can chant naked under the moon, you can do all the law of attraction stuff, but nothing will change until you heal the wounds that created the crappy patterns in the first place. I know this is a tender and sensitive area for you. When I work with clients, I hold their hand, meet them exactly where they are and give them the compassion and accountability and sometimes tough love to get them where they want to go. And I'll do the same for you. No judgment and no shaming for where you are or where you've been. If this feels like something that could help you get to where you want to go in your love life, I'd love to connect with you about my deep work, deep love coaching program, which is how I work with my clients privately. If listening to this assessment has brought some stuff up for you about where you are in your love life and what might not be working and doing some of the deep work to get around that, your next step is to schedule a no-obligation introductory call with me so we can see if we're a good fit together. You can do that at veronicagrant.com forward slash coaching. On that site, you'll fill out a brief application, then you'll schedule yourself onto my calendar so we can connect. The intro call is no obligation, of course. The point is to see if we are a good fit to potentially work together. So as long as you're seriously considering working together, I'd love to chat. Again, the link is veronicagrant.com forward slash coaching. And the link to download this assessment, which I highly encourage you to take is veronicagrant.com forward slash assessment. All right, my dear, that's all I've got for you this week. I will see you next week with a brand new coaching episode. Until then. One more thing. You may be wondering, but Veronica, how do I start doing the deep work? I'm ready to make a shift. If that's you, I recommend you start with my totally free workshop, five steps to ending overwhelm and anxiety in dating. The good news is that you don't have to do all the things to find love. This workshop will walk you through the five big shifts that'll give you the biggest bang for your buck. You'll learn a step-by-step game plan to finally get unstuck and unblocked in love and end the cycle of dead end relationships you'll learn the number one reason most highly successful, motivated and ambitious women struggle in love and what you can do to make sure it doesn't happen to you. You'll learn how to figure out the real reason you're attracting partners who aren't emotionally available are toxic or just simply not on your intellectual or emotional level. And you'll also learn the single most effective way to tap into the inner confidence you feel in your career and elsewhere in your life so that it'll carry over into your love life and of course, a lot more. If you're ready to shift things in your life, I seriously can't wait for you to get your hands on this. Head over to veronicagrant.com forward slash workshop to sign up. Thank you so much for listening to the Love Life Connection podcast. If you're looking for links or resources mentioned in the show, you can find the show notes to this episode and all previous episodes at veronicagrant.com forward slash podcast. And if you love this episode, please subscribe and take a moment to rate and review the show. It really helps. I'll see you next week for a brand new episode of the Love Life Connection podcast. And until then, sending you lots of love. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time.